Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Howdy, folks. You've heard me say that this podcast has been the best networking tool ever. Today is a perfect example of that. I have two guests both of whom I met through this podcast and I'm now happy to call my friends and I've had the pleasure of introducing them to each other so we can create this episode. I'll explain that in a moment. Hey, you know another great way to network and make new friends? Come to the ACP LS annual meeting this October in San Francisco. I promise you'll have a great time, learn a ton of useful stuff and meet new friends who are happy to share their experience with you. Go to acp-ls.org and sign up. Okay, let's get this party started. Okay, uh, today's episode uh, is going to be something special that we've never done before. I have the pleasure of having a guest host, Kat Kozaritska, on the podcast today. I'll introduce her along with Hannes Amen, who's returning for his second visit to Life Science Marketing Radio in a moment. But first, uh, let me tell you how this came about. Hannes recently posted something on uh, LinkedIn about social media, to which I replied, is it time for another podcast? Because he's been on before. And Kat, who I met last year at the ACPLS annual meeting, saw that and she said, yeah, I want to know more about that. So in the spirit of letting your audience tell you what they want to know, I thought, why not let Kat asked the questions. So here we are. So let me introduce Kat. She is the academic marketing manager for North America at Sartorius. Prior to that, she was a director of marketing and communications at the Hofstra Group. She has a master's degree in neuroscience from the Stanford University School of Medicine. Kat, welcome. Thank you. And Johannes Amen, also known as Hannes, has been a guest on LSMR previously while he was working at Zeiss. And in that interview, he described for us the process of developing an app for life science marketing. Johannes specializes in online communications and marketing. He's currently on a sabbatical looking for new exciting opportunities. Today, Kat and Hannes are going to be talking about promoting your content through multiple channels specifically through social media. Hannes, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I'm uh, really excited to be here again. All right. All right, Kat, thank you for being willing to participate and sit in the host chair this week. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for making it such a comfortable chair. Uh, I love the podcast and it's just so great. Uh, that you gave me the opportunity to ask my questions in real time today. Thank you. All right. So take it away. I'm going to let you run the show. <gasps> Hannes, it's so nice to meet you. Uh, so as to as per your post, uh, my very first question is, uh, you have built such a strong, you have built such a st strong social media program at Zeiss. Uh, when you set out to do that, what were your goals? Um, in the beginning, when we first talked about this, and uh, you also have to remember that back in uh, <clears throat> 2011, 
um, these uh, social media networks were not all, only still uh, kind of kind of new to the world, but uh, particularly to the um, to uh, most of the the uh, life science companies. And uh, the uh, the initial thought was that. Uh, um, my uh, supervisor at uh, size, who was an absolutely awesome guy, I have to admit right now, even if I won't call his name out right now, um, he uh, before he took over the marketing at the headquarter, he was the uh, sales marketing guy in the US. And uh, what he felt back then was that uh, uh, the company was not as, you would say approachable as it should have been so mm. what the uh, initial main goal really was was to to become a more a more approachable company um to to really improve in in the bigger frame was really to really improve in external communication to more directly interact with the customers to more directly um uh, learn from them, talk with them, uh, give them support and service. And uh, of course, which then in the in the process also led to the uh, the uh, very nice uh, opportunity that over the years you just had such great and uh, very cost efficient. I also have to add that um, that you have very good um online communication channels where you can distribute your content on a global scale and also in turn then what we also learned was that the uh, the lead generation also works quite well over these channels mm -hmm. so it basically in short we set out to become a more approachable company and in the end it helped us also to fill the sales funnel in a really really massive way I mean, it sounds like lead generation is such a big part of the process for everybody and obviously so critical. Uh, so it's very exciting that social media that is also fun to do and, you know, just has all of these other great parts about it uh, leads to lead generation. Uh, so since you addressed so many channels, uh, I wonder how did you manage to create so much content? Um, that is that is one of the most fundamental questions that, uh, from my experience, each and every company has, and uh, is uh, kind of uh, I would say maybe even afraid to to start uh, establishing these channels because everybody will say, "Oh, how do we fill them?" and uh, we do not have enough content, and uh, it will be um, additional workload. Yeah. And the thing is, for once, what we learned is uh, you have to start at some point. So there's and, – and if you then choose the channels that you really want to do um, and where you think that, that uh, you can um, maintain them, um, there's also no shame in starting slowly at the beginning. Um, from my experience, uh, each and every company generates content all the time. Um, what your job then is, if you are at the at the interface of um, product management, marketing, external communications, um, your main task is to be aware of the content. What is there? Um, where? What are the workflows? Where is it generated? Where is it distributed? 
And additionally, particularly in the beginning, um, you also have to, I would say, create your own content, which sounds uh, at first, uh, oh my God, I have to write white papers <laughs> by myself or something. Um, no, absolutely not. Uh, apart from the fact that product management will definitely hang you for this. <laughs> and maybe rightfully so. Um, the, the thing really is that uh, you can, for example, really easily create great posts and, and, and great photos and, and image content if you um, go to the uh, the events, the workshops, and the trade shows that uh, your company does anyways over the year. Mm -hmm. So you go there, you have your photo camera with you all the time, you have your smartphone with the, with the Twitter account and the Instagram account, you have it with you all the time. And this really is where you get very easily a really nice uh, photo content where you can... Uh, where you can uh, <clears throat> uh, create awareness for for new products that you show on the trade shows for uh, very very happy com uh, customers on on workshops when you train them how to use the the product <laughs> and you are laughing why are you laughing well it's just the the happy customers that's something that oh, i okay, have yeah. so much uh, about no, it's, yeah that was that was also one of my main targets you know keep the customers happy at all time This is like the best thing that you can do. This is nothing worse than an angry customer. Maybe we, we will come to that later, particularly with the Twitter, because this is really a, a very special topic, maybe by itself, but uh, just as a side note. So uh, what you want are happy customers all the time. Yeah. And uh, just also let me add this. Um, what, what I became also over the past few years was... Um, You become a bit of a uh, treasure hunter. Uh, also, if my colleagues uh, chose other words, they called me sometimes a truffle pig. Uh, I hope I got that right. Um, so in Germany, we say this, Trüffelschwein. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's, it's really like you. every company has, has some content that the your product management will never even realize that it would be suitable for digital distribution because they just do not have the awareness. They have their very narrow uh, view on their product and uh, the, the additional content that they have to provide. Um, a, nice, um, a nice example. Um, another ex-colleague of mine is working at a small company, a startup company here in Munich. And he invited me because he heard that at the moment I'm doing consultation for food. Um, and so uh, I, I looked at what they have. And what I saw was uh, that they have a really beautiful, huge print product catalog. And when you went through this product catalog, there was so much knowledge inside. Um, And I just told them because they were also, there were some product managers in there and they were like, well, if we start this with the content, we have to do so much work and additional stuff. And, and I was like, guys, look at this catalog. There is, there is so many knowledge in there. You just have to split it up, split the articles or the chapters, split them into pieces, distribute them as, as PDF, distribute the stuff that is already there and in there as graphics, infographics, images, put it on your web as a web content. This is really when you, when you try to break up this, this narrow tunnel view. I, I don't know if you have the same expression in English. Um, 
Then also, for example, when you have colleagues working in the marketing team that design very special campaigns for one product launch and very special content for, for I don't know, newsletter nurturing campaigns, a lot of times they just don't realize because they don't know that you can very, very broadly share those assets in, in basically each and every communication channel that you establish. They, I, I saw that myself. They, they completely forget to announce that there is a webinar happening uh, where you not only invest a lot of money, maybe, but also have the very unique chance to get uh, great uh, and, and, and very high quality external new leads. So uh, a very big part of, of your work then also is to really kind of get an overview of, of all the stuff that is happening and really tell the right people, guys, this is something that we also have to promote over these channels. And this is also, um, uh, by closing this off, um, this is also where in turn over the over time, over one year, two year, you, you really create awareness in your organization. Hey, guys, okay, if you create something, if you plan a campaign, let me know. I can assist you with social media. I can assist you with mm -hmm. the, so online channels, with what is the right content mm -hmm. for the various channel. And uh, yeah, it, it kind of it is, of course, always and basically every job is this in every company. It's a bit of an uphill battle, but uh, it gets easier over time. I'm going to jump in. Sorry, Sorry Kat. I'm just going to jump in real quick and say, I love the fact that you, um, first of all, repurposing and realizing what's there. But a big aspect of this is, is educating your own people that this is possible and, and that it doesn't have to be hard for them. And so, and, but that takes time. Exactly. And, uh, uh, from, from my experience, um, usually the people you work with, uh, sometimes even in marketing, but of course, mostly in uh, product management, uh, some of them are not so active in, in social media and online. And I mean, you, you know, you are the expert. You are the expert yourself and you also have to, to educate them a bit. And this also in turn makes it, makes it um, easier for you. And they are not so hesitant to really ask you. And, and propose some new content to you because, um, just as a side note, for example, as, as I worked now for, for a German based companies, uh, the German copyright system, particularly online is a complete disaster. It's a nightmare. It's so complicated. And, uh, and uh, it, it took me a while, uh, to even, um, make it clear to some product managers that yes, we are allowed to upload stuff to YouTube. We are not giving away the copyright to Google when we do this. Yeah. As I said, in particular in the beginning, it is an uphill battle, but uh, if it helps anybody out there, it gets easier with time. If you have a bit of patience and you explain the stuff to them, it will, it will get uh, really, really uh, good, um, good collaboration. Uh, and uh, the outcome always is that uh, you, you, as, as you, as the, the, the initial question was, um, the content at some point definitely will be there. Um, in the end, uh, it was even that I had this a bit of a luxury problem that sometimes I had so much stuff sent to me that I did not even know when to use it. That sounds like a good problem to have. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, elaborating a little bit on that copyright uh, thing that you just mentioned, would you say that any of the content is uh, premium? 
or should be reserved for devoted customers, only distributed, you know, say through personal email, uh, and you know, maybe not even put in newsletters, uh, definitely not on social media. Uh, if if no, then how did you make an argument uh, in your company for this? Um, so the thing is, uh, from a from a simple customer perspective, there was no such thing as premium content for me. Um, I I know that that uh, some companies and and some marketing organizations handle the stuff like that, but uh, I. Personally, I really do not think that there's any value in, you know, like, like, oh, yeah, with this newsletter, you get the very exclusive white paper, PDF, whatnot. You know, so what? Uh, these guys are already subscribers to your newsletter. These guys are already in your CRM. And uh, why should they get an exclusive content and... Uh, that you will not openly distribute in the uh, on the internet that is kind of a bit a bit nonsense to me um what you of course can do and that was also the sometimes the compromise uh, that uh, i uh, luckily had to do quite seldom um was that you do a timed exclusive so that mm. you know you send it out and after one month or maybe two or three months you say yeah okay and now <laughs> now we distribute it to the rest of the world it's like you know there might be some sense in there that i just do not understand or um the the other thing for example is we had some discussions before about uh, how to um how to handle the the webinar recordings and this is where we said well okay um first of all you announce the webinar um people um register for the webinar uh, people attend the webinar when it's uh, live and then afterwards all the uh, the uh, registered participants uh, not only the participants but all, all the registered users um get the link to the recording and this is where we said, well, okay, the webinar will not be put directly on YouTube, but we will have the recording for a limited time, like one one or two months. Mm -hmm. We will have it gated so that uh, somebody, also, so we, we oh, of course, we announced very openly, openly that the webinar is is now available as a recording for everybody. But when they wanted to watch it for a certain amount of time, we still had a gated access where also the new leads or, or whatever you will call them, the interested parties had to register with us so they could actually watch the recording. But uh, of course, the whole gated versus non-gated topic is a bit uh, differing from uh, from this, uh, as you said, exclusive or, or premium content stuff. Okay. And, uh, it also, I mean, this is this is just the the part where you say, well, okay, I really want to focus with a webinar where you invest a lot of money, a lot of capacities most of the time, where you really want to focus on the lead generation, and then when you say, okay, the the 
topic or the webinar is not hot anymore after one or two months maybe then this is this might be the point where you just take the recording put it on youtube and uh, integrate a link to the product page or to a uh, a contact mm -hmm. form and then you can still do some kind of lead generation with it that makes a lot of sense what you said Thank you. Uh, so I'd like to ask a question more on the tactical aspects of um, putting content, content through social media. When you repurpose the white papers or other um, materials that have been generated at the company for different uh, social media channels, what would you say are the differences between different channels? And I guess I'm looking both for uh, how you would do the different content and also different formatting. For the different channels um, there's a lot actually there is a lot of experience in there and also a lot of uh, in germany we would say bauchgefühl uh, instinct maybe um, so the thing is um yes um the various channels or at least let's focus on the on the leading social media and networking channels they differ a lot um, and it's dependent on some factors that you already mentioned um, the suitable content uh, for the uh, respective audience that is also differing quite a lot on these channels and uh, the uh, the uh, kind of posting the, the the layout the style the style of the posting that you would do and this is also while just as a side note i always try to heavily avoid those um those uh, software platforms like for example hootsuit where you can where you can um, create your postings and put them uh, in the same manner and the same style in the same text blah 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 the to uh, various channels at once because this in my experience just does not work because you do not get the optimum efficiency out of there and uh, uh, it sometimes also creates just uh, unsuitable Uh, postings that are not really nice to the to your followers and your audience so facebook um in the end at the beginning we very much focused on facebook and uh, actually for professional company work and also in the b2b business that most of us are in and the life science stuff where you really want to to reach your professionals uh, i would not invest too too much uh, time uh, let alone budget uh, on the facebook anymore This is where you really mostly reach a uh, kind of a general audience. So the Facebook is, uh, the, the focus here really is about your brand, uh, brand marketing, um, people who uh, from the uh, microscopy business, um, that these were people that were basically interested a bit in science, popular science, and uh, most of them just wanted to look at, at great, colorful, and amazing images. So in that respect, um, for really saying, well, okay, I, I want to sell more instruments, uh, Facebook wasn't that interested in interesting in the end. Um, we just used it because it was a nice opportunity to uh, distribute the, uh, for example, uh, when you had nice technology videos or product videos, if you host them directly on Facebook, even if you do not pay uh, for sponsored content, they will still have quite a reach in in a uh, more or less specific audience 
Um, but in the end, we really focused on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is where with Twitter, you, you can have, uh, similar to Instagram, you can have quite a high amount of postings. So uh, just short bits, maybe sometimes even only URLs to a specific web page or a blog article. Um, sometimes if you feel like you have the time, you can also create some nice animated GIFs from your videos, um, which people also very much like. And um, with LinkedIn, um, we had a, uh, or I had a bit of a slower um, posting frequency, but it's, there it was really extremely professional. So that was really announcements, basically. You do not post, uh, I don't know, a random image uh, or a uh, a random video on, on LinkedIn, but you really try to have your kind of your high-value content on the LinkedIn. And this is also where it might make sense to discuss if you want to do sponsored campaigns because on LinkedIn for the B2B business, you can really reach um, the, uh, the uh, deciders. You can... Um, reach the people that actually might be interested in the technology but they are not aware of of that uh, yet and you can you can tap into into completely new uh, customer groups for example with the uh, sponsored campaign system of linkedin and in the end, the Instagram, that was really a fire and forget so you you take any any photo any image you have to use the bloody app on your bloody smartphone because they still do not have any any web user interface. If somebody from Instagram or Facebook is listening, please finally make this happen. And uh, you can reach a massive, a massive amount of people, but to really say, okay, we got leads from Instagram, uh, you cannot add any uh, meaningful clickable URLs in this system. Um, you have to use a lot of hashtags and it's a bit, I would say at the moment, it is still a bit similar to Facebook. You reach a very, very general audience. You can hope that some uh, possible customers and possible users might follow you and be impressed by the images. But for, for a really clear um, lead generation and sales funnel workflow, uh, Instagram is still not there. So it sounds like Twitter, in your opinion, is a more targeted, uh, it's a way to reach a more targeted audience. <clears throat> Twitter and LinkedIn, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because um, from, um, from the, for example, the Twitter perspective, um, of course, you also have to see it with Twitter on, on a quite a global scale um, because uh, while it is still um, highly used and, and uh, very widely accepted in the uh, English-speaking uh, community, so uh, UK and, and, and North America mostly, um, for Germany, uh, Twitter was mostly useless. So uh, Twitter in, for example, German is, is not working very well. And uh, usually uh, also when you look at Europe, um, Italians or, or Spanish guys or, or French guys, uh, French people, they will not necessarily be uh, interested in following a channel that, uh, and we did a global channel. So we basically 99% of our postings were English and they are usually more interested in following uh, channels which post in their own language. But... Uh, 
but yeah, there's there's really also with the life sciences, we underestimated this in the beginning a bit. And there's really a lot of, of influencers uh, in in the particular in the Twitter, because uh, researchers very much uh, liked to and still like to to network the, themselves uh, on, on Twitter. So uh, that was that was really interesting to look at these networks and also use them for an for an uh, organic growth that we always tried. Okay, so maybe maybe I can ask you a selfish question then. Uh, so I work on a weekly Twitter post, and you know, since I work on it, I think it's really great, and I want everybody to see it and like it and share it and repost it. So how would I uh, find and use influencers and micro influencers on Twitter? to help my posts get seen? Um, first of all, um, you really have to, to grow your community, which means uh, your first task when you establish a Twitter channel for your company really is to get followers. And uh, there, are, um, there are some ways to do that. Um, Twitter, of course, also offers you to uh, pay to get your followers, to have this uh, sponsored content uh, shown in the Twitter feeds of uh, your yeah, uh, people that, uh, according to Twitter, are more or less likely to be interested in following you. I don't know if they have improved uh, now. The last time I had a look at this stuff and these algorithms was, I think, like four years ago, and it was horrible. Um, so this is if if your management says you need to get a lot of followers in a short amount of time and they allow you to burn the money and have the budget, then yeah, why not? But uh, it's in my opinion really definitely uh, burning the money because you will get a lot of followers that are just not worth the money and the time. Um, if, but if you are willing and, and able in the beginning to really invest some time in, in research with this network. So if you, if you know about people, names from, from conferences, from, from scientific publications, maybe even ask your Salesforce, ask your sales guys and uh, maybe have a look at the CRM. This is, um, it's, uh, always very surprising how how many of those people you can actually find on twitter um and when you when you identify those influencers on twitter you follow them um most of them will also very politely follow you back uh, this is a bit of my strategy that i think i called uh, stalking the customers <laughs> chris loves loves it when i say this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And uh, and uh, at this moment, when they follow you back, you basically have already won because uh, sooner or later they will share the content that you post also with their network. And then you can also have a look on Twitter because most of that stuff is public. Most of the time this is publicly available. You see who is following a certain influencer, a certain a key opinion leader. You can research this. You can tap into their network and uh, really see, okay, maybe I also want to follow this guy and hope that he will follow you back. And um, 
that is also what 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 the the organic growth behind uh, is, is is all about um and if you combine this also with good hashtags and and by this you really have to research the hashtags a bit um but when you you can find uh, not too specific and and also a lot of people like to to make up new hashtags really don't do that it's it's waste of time waste of of letters that you can use in the limited i don't know how many signs are now available on twitter but uh, really made up hashtags even for for conferences use the conference hashtag these are the established ones and if you combine this then uh, and of course spend some time you can really build up a sustainable community that will in the end really be interested in following you and looking at your postings and uh, in the end maybe if they have a nice result with your instrument um, this is really the, the, the best thing in your work and then they will post this to your channel and say hey um i'm sartorius i just had an amazing result with with your instrument and and so these testimonials uh, this is the best thing that you can achieve on on twitter particularly okay that makes sense so hannes we've been talking about um all of these wonderful things that one could do on social media uh but i imagine a lot of people listening are wondering you know, how many people do they need to hire and how much they need to allocate in their budget to build the strong social media and following and generate all of those leads from social media. But we did talk earlier, uh, and you mentioned that the social media program that you built uh, was a one-man operation, as in you built the whole thing. And so I was wondering, how did you achieve these results uh, with the limited manpower that you had? And also, how long did it take you? So my first point now is if if uh, any manager should listen right now to this podcast, hire a social media team. Do it by all means. Do not think that one person is enough, particularly if you really want to do a, a, a global channel. Because you have on, on this world, you actually have different time zones, for example. And that is also one of the first things so that you really, uh, in the beginning, uh, think hard and not necessarily open open up uh, regional channels because this is something I really do not like and also do not recommend, particularly in the beginning, but really have people who also have access to those channels and also can align themselves and uh, take over, for example, when in, in Germany it's a sleepy time, but uh, at the uh, West Coast... Uh, uh, somebody starts tweeting to your channel like mad so that the one person in Germany does not need to stay up and uh, and uh, desperately try to, to fix the situation or something. But coming back to the question, um, this can somehow be done if you very, very closely and efficiently align this content and campaigns on all of your channels, like uh, what what Chris mentioned earlier, and uh, I have to admit I learned this from that guy, because he wrote it in some um, best practice white paper some years ago. Um, if you if you really focus on recycling or repurposing your content between the channels, um, this is one of the 
one of the mistakes that in the beginning is, is done quite often. People think that, oh, well, I posted this PDF or this image already on Twitter. I cannot post it on Facebook now because I already posted it on Twitter. And this is like, yeah, okay. But uh, a certain person will most probably follow a company on his favorite channel. He will most probably not follow a company on all social media channels that the company offers. So 90% of your audience um, will not see, even see that you posted the same content piece on, on, on various channels, maybe even at once. So this is, for example, this one is absolutely no no problem. Uh, it, is, it is actually really um, recommended to do it like that. Um, one of the most important um, tools that that I had in the kind of in the background was a uh, well curated digital asset management platform at Dam. Um, we had this uh, from the uh, I think I can say this at the moment. Uh, we had it from the Widen company. And uh, I have to say that I very, very much loved to have this thing because uh, a uh, dam such as the Widen um, is not only integrated very nicely into your uh, company network and infrastructure and the intranet. Um, I, I really can only praise uh, dam platforms like the Widen because they integrate really beautifully into your internal marketing content creation and distribution workflows. And it is a really great archive where you can hunt for the content pieces that you then can access from basically anywhere. So this one thing, like a, a backend, help as a huge content database, um, helps you a lot. To, to really very efficiently find the content, distribute it, download it, um, have additional information, metadata tagged with the content from, from product management or marketing specialists. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and on the kind of for the outside world, the other thing that reduced my workload in, in a massive way was really to have this a company blog. Um, in our case, it was the WordPress uh, blog platform, which is kind of the industry standard nowadays. And uh, this company blog um, then gives you a really rapid way for, for all the web-based distribution that you want to do for basically all sorts of articles. So the blog really helps you. You do not have the need to, to actually create new web or landing pages uh, where all this approval nonsense most of the time is attached to it, where uh, maybe two or three other pe people are also have to work with them. Um, you, you just do it by yourself. You create articles with the WYSIWYG interface um, in a very rapid way in, in your company blog. Um, this can then become the, the central source and kind of the foundation of your whole external communications and content marketing. And something that I did not mention before, um, it also drives uh, search engine traffic to your web page. So uh, with this dynamic content, uh, you, can, you can massively improve the SEO. 
and uh, reduce your your SEA budget in that way if you if you do it right. Um, and the third part, the, the the third part to this answer would also be what is also very helpful is that you. I did not mention yet the the I, I call them the content channels or the content social media channels, which would be Flickr and YouTube. And this is where you can also very easily distribute the, the, the image and video based content between channels and partners and directly embed the, the stuff into your blog and your product pages. So I, I can only say that when, when you really manage to have everything kind of connected in this in this communications network. Google absolutely loves this. Google recognizes this. Google boosts your SEO. The SEO of your web page will go up and you can save a lot of SEA budget uh, if you use those channels efficiently. If you link them, cross-link them, link them, link, link them to your web pages, to your product web pages. So that stuff uh, really works beautiful in the end. Thank has a you. lot of advantages. <laughs> I, I think that was all very good and interesting things. And I am really looking forward to implementing what you said this week and next and hopefully after that too. <laughs> uh, so uh, as a concluding, I think I should say that you should plan for a bit more time. <laughs> so... <laughs> It took me around. I had I had really the big advantage. The big advantage in my in my um, position back then was that uh, I told the people that demanded some ROI and KPI and benchmarks and whatnot. I told them to basically uh, f off and leave me alone with the growth of my channels. Um, so I was happy with that after maybe two years. This was the part that took me around two years, and uh, of course they they got some. Uh, I would say from from my uh, market research experience, I'm still saying that those were what I got them was a, um, a not a quantitative um, analysis, but a qualitative where I really showed, hey, look at this customer interaction distributed with the company, maybe put it in the intranet, and and show the people, hey, look, somebody really loved this product, really really uh, had had great results with that one instrument or it was shared a lot um stuff like that that you spend like i don't know 30 minutes uh, on on a on a short powerpoint um doing it once per month or maybe even once per quarter in the beginning and uh, um, in the end also with the blog uh, i think yeah f four years that was the better part of four years, but then I was really happy. This was the part where, where, where really routine came into play. So, yeah, uh, you have a great future in front of you. I just want to say, so first of all, thank you for that summary and putting a realistic timeline on all of this. And um, something I've said, I'm sure in some blog posts or whatever, and people look at this and say, oh, it's going to take me two years or four years. Well, if you're planning on having your company be in existence four years from now, wouldn't you like to be where Johannes is now and not where he was four years ago, right? So it, the future is coming. Exactly. You, you have to start <laughs> exactly. and, and do very, these things, even very, if they take a long time. Very, very good point. Very good point. Um, 
otherwise you're going to be that much farther behind even if something takes a long time i mean product development takes that long and no one blinks an eye at, at you know a product that might take that long to to finally bring to market uh, and, so why from a marketing why perspective, perspective people really should blink an eye to that <laughs> yeah and in the marketing channel is a And I always like to think of some of your marketing is a product and it takes time to build and you, you learn and you add features and, and so on. So I, I, I really appreciate that long-term perspective and, mm. and the realistic look at it, but it obviously um, it was, it was worthwhile. And, and you know, Chris, Chris short-term measurements Chris, the, don't the work. thing is I, I've seen it too often with these, uh, and this is really concluding now for me at least, um, I've seen it too often that companies do some kind of, you know, management uh, initiative project initiatives which run for one year. If you want to go digital, if you want to go online, if you want to to establish new communication channels, and I promise every single company you will get new leads through that stuff. And if you plan to do this as a management initiative for one year, don't. Just don't start. So that's the whole point behind it. Because if you do not say, okay, there is a commitment and we want to have this uh, as a sustainable as a sustainable project, um, then maybe best just don't start. Yeah, I think that's a great way to just wrap this up. I mean, that's and that's a that's a strong message to leave people with. Um, Johannes, I want to thank you for uh, again sharing this incredible knowledge on social media. I think this is going to be a hugely valuable episode for our listeners. And Kat, I want to really thank you for jumping in and being game to do this. I think you did a fantastic thank you. job. Thank you. And it was really fun. I, honestly, I'm sitting here smiling the whole time for many reasons. I'm often smiling <laughs> when I'm getting great information on the podcast. Today, I get to smile and go, I'm not, I don't have to do anything. I'm just listening in and, and just absorbing, like thinking about what notes I'm going to make and, and how I'm going to put this out. So thank you both. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. That was awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. First thing, if you want to connect with either Kat or Hannes, I'll have links to their profiles in the show notes. I'm sure they would love to hear from you. Secondly, I think you learned that social media can be hugely valuable, but like anything, it takes commitment. In my opinion, commitment and staying the course is key to success in anything. Share this episode around and build some momentum to do it right. Finally, I got great feedback on the interview I did last week with Paul Broman about the Illumina Genomics podcast. If you're thinking about getting started with a podcast for your company and aren't sure how, I can help you out from recording all the way through to promotion like we talked about today. Email me, chris at lifesciencemarketingradio.com. Two weeks from now, we'll be talking about using data to see the funding history of a successful clinical trial. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.